But where are you really from? A podcast about the Asian American struggle. Hello. Hello, hello. I'm Angela Lin, and I'm Jesse Lin, and welcome back to season three of "But Where Are You Really From?" Oh my God, three. Also, we're on camera. Not everyone can see us, but we're starting to record on camera for all of our episodes now, so it's weird. <laughs> for yes, us. you'll see our recording environment in excruciating detail. <laughs> If you want access to the video episodes, we're only going to be releasing that through our Patreon uh, page. So if you want to support us via Patreon, then that's how you'll get access to the video. Otherwise, you can just keep listening for free via the audio recordings that we always do. Anyways, um, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. We're finally in 2021. Round that bend. Looks the same on the other yes. side of the bend for right now, but hopefully soon things will change. I know it's kind of interesting because I feel like everyone was just banking on 2021 coming to like save the day. I'm like, is life really going to be that different in 2021? I mean, I feel like it's it was the same thing as when Corona first started, where everyone was just like, oh, we know it's here, but because nobody's saying anything, we're just going to ignore anything in bars and stuff. I did that. I mean, people seem hopeful with the vaccine and whatnot. I don't know. Yeah, sure. I mean, but like, that's going to be like half, like, you know, 50% of the way through the year. And we'll, we'll see. I, I like to say that I think of things as a pessimistic optimist. So okay, I'm simultaneously hopeful, something. but I'm not <laughs> holding my breath. Yeah, yeah. I got it. Um, how are your holidays? They were really nice because I took an entire week off between Christmas and New Year's. And I, the positioning of the holidays was amazing this year because Christmas is on a Friday, New Year's is on a Friday. So really I only take four days off, even though it doesn't really matter because where am I going to go with the extra vacation days? But if things do resolve, you won't be seeing me in the U.S. for very much. Oh, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How was your time off? Good. I mean, um, didn't do anything exotic since none of us could, but it was really nice to like not open my work laptop or my um, work email and all that stuff. Um, and I was hyper productive, which it's I feel bittersweet about because I'm like, well, I got a lot of shit done with like the podcast and um, I started this like, well, I've been doing it for a while, but I've been like putting more effort into this illustration thing I'm doing. The Three Rascals, find me on Instagram. Um, and like other shit. But basically I like got a lot done with all my side hustles, but I wasn't super restful. So, mm. <laughs> you know. Okay, well, all right guys, we wanted to kick off this season with a discussion about the death of the city because we both live in cities right now and I think there were really a lot of amazing things that the city or the urban environment offered us when we were younger even to mid to I'm, well, I'm still late 20s mm -hmm. <laughs> sorry 
things that were really great that the cities offered us and still do. But I think with everything that's happened with the coronavirus, a lot of people are rethinking whether or not what made urban spaces so great will still exist and whether or not it's worth it to continue to stay in a city. Yeah, so I think we wanted to kick off this topic by um, throwing some stats out at you, which we usually never do, but it's a good way to set things up. Because like Jesse's saying, I mean, there's been a huge decline of life in the city, frankly, since coronavirus first started. Um, and two big factors or numbers to look at that indicate that are frankly, number of people that have left overall, and also the number of businesses that have shut down because our economy has been taking a beating ever since COVID. So Jesse, how's New York doing? Yeah, so I think even prior to COVID happening, there was a pretty large exodus of people already kind of occurring, given that New York City has basically gotten more expensive every year since the early 2000s and you know something's got to give at some point so there was already i think some amount of people leaving but according to an article from reuters between january 1st of 2020 and december 7th of 2020 around 3.57 million people left new york city and they got this information based off of cell phone and on my cell phone location data so like people's cell phones no longer pinging those same towers they did say that although there were people that left, obviously the population is always in a state of flux. So there was almost an equal amount of people coming into the city for the people oh, really? that have left. Yeah, but the, the article does say that the people that moved in were earning lower average incomes during the same period. So like the whole idea of kind of a sense of economic white flight where the rich people are like leaving and their leaving makes things actually a little bit more affordable. Actually, like in Manhattan, the prices have really tanked. Damn, but where do you think the 3 million influx of people is coming from? Just like people who've always wanted to live in New York and now feel like it's affordable or like people who are living in surrounding neighborhoods but work in the city? That's a really good question. I don't really know, but I kind of, I mean, in my mind, the way I think about it is even though economy has shrunk, services has shrunk, and basically the amount of jobs have shrunk, it's still the largest pool, like largest concentration of jobs and easiest like area for people to find jobs because there are so many businesses still concentrated here, those that are left in any case, versus like if you can imagine, you know, you're out in a more rural part of New York that's facing the same restrictions and there's not as many restaurants or businesses there already, it can be probably even worse because you really have like this handful of options as your employers and most of them have to close because they're non-essential. Interesting. I have my own opinion about that for San Francisco, but I'll withhold until you finish your Yeah, sure. (laughs) Um, Speaking of businesses, there has also been very obviously a huge contraction in businesses especially in like one of our hugest sectors which is tourism so uh, according to the new york times more than 2800 businesses in new york city have permanently closed since march 1st and this is also data that they got from yelp and this is obviously a, a huge amount of businesses i think they said that it's 
uh, a higher number than in any other large American city. Well, I can uh, chime in there too for San Francisco because I think the stats are kind of interesting. Um, the I don't have the same stats as you about the um, outflow versus influx. Like, I don't know how many people have moved to San Francisco since, but um, from Business Insider, as of December 1st, 89,000 households have left San Francisco. And for frame of reference, San Francisco's population is somewhere between like eight to 900,000. So if you think a household is, I don't know, if you take an average of like two, two people per household, that's 170,000 people out of 800 or 900,000 people have left. That's like a huge percentage of people. And I can just speak anecdotally that it does feel like a ghost town here. Like it feels like a lot of people have left. And uh, contrary to what you were saying about New York still being like a valid place for people to want to move to because of the density of like business opportunities there. What's interesting about San Francisco's flight is that our whole city is based on tech. Like the, the reason people want to be here and the reason the economy grows here is because of all the tech companies and the startups here. And those are the companies that are most able to transfer into remote work. And most of those companies have uh, adapted into like, you can live not in San Francisco. At the very least, you don't have to live in the city to work for us anymore. And at the like most luxurious, like Twitter, they've said that forever you can, yeah, they will never have a mandatory, you know, headquarters wh where you have to work from anymore. So there's actually zero reason for anyone to want to move to San Francisco right now because it's honestly not that great of a city, to be honest. Like I've never loved it very much. And the main reason to be here was uh, your job. And it's not that reason anymore. So I don't know what the number is of people who've moved here, but if I had to guess, it's not equivalent to the number of people who've left. Um, and the business side, I think it's really interesting because you said in New York, 2,800, because I'm looking at our notes, 2,800 businesses have closed. Um, I guess from a scale standpoint, San Francisco is getting crushed much more than New York because New York, I don't know how many businesses, but like I live there too. It's like every every square foot has a business on it, right? So for 2,800 to have closed sounds like, you know, not a few number, but from like a scale wise, it doesn't sound like a huge percentage versus in San Francisco, a much smaller city uh, as of August from the same data set as you, so Yelp, um, 2,000 businesses have permanently closed and 5,000 have temporarily closed because of COVID. And that's from August. So that was when there was still hope that, you know, the shutdowns were gonna end sometime soon. So I'm sure way more than 2,000 have permanently shut down since then. And it's just, it's so tragic because we, yeah, like I said, we only have 800,000-ish people in the city total. So for 2,000-plus businesses to have closed, we're just getting demolished out here. Yeah. You know, something you said that was really interesting is that you kind of mentioned that it's like a ghost town in San Francisco right now. And what's interesting for me is I don't go into Manhattan anymore, so I have no idea what Manhattan looks like. But my local, like my immediate neighborhood 
it feels more or less about the same. Like, I feel like more or less about the same people are mobbing around at the regular hours of the day. Maybe it might be like, you know, later at night, you won't see as many people as you used to see because, you know, subway closes now. Um, but in my immediate neighborhood, mostly everything has stayed the same. And I can back that up with the fact that most most of the businesses that I have, um, that I usually patronize have not closed, um, even though that there are, there are restaurants and bars. So I do want to, I guess I do want to caveat that is that um, I think it is very different neighborhood by neighborhood. And it really depends on the composition of the neighborhood. Like if it's largely transient people, not like homeless people, but like, you know, people who are just there to work for a few years and then they leave um, versus Manhattan, which is kind of largely like that. And since Manhattan is also largely offices, it's pretty easy to see why it would look very different. And perhaps the business shrinkage there is much larger than it is in other areas like where I live, which is mostly residential. People have lived here for a while, like it's their home. And so it's a little bit more stable here. What originally drew you to the city? You've been there forever. Like I left New York in 20, wow, 2015, I think. So it's been a hot second. Obviously I live in a different city, but it's not ever going to be the same as New York. What drew you there? Well, to be honest, lots of television media, <laughs> probably watching too much Gossip Girl oh, when yes. it came out. <laughs> oh, yes. And also probably like partially because you were there for a year and, and you made it sound really fun and rewarding. The third thing was I really wanted to get away from where I grew up and really become like a fully independent person and just kind of like throw away the person that I was all the way up until I turned 18 and graduated high school and try to like upgrade myself into this like new version of me. So I think that was like originally the reasons why I came. And once I got here, the reasons why I stay, the first thing is like convenience. Like New York City is so convenient. Like once you understand how to navigate like subways, buses and food ordering, you literally like it's so easy to live here. The second thing, obviously, I think is nightlife. Like, there are so many amazing venues, places. Like, you can talk about like large venues like Webster Hall, but there are also like smaller venues, speakeasies. And these places like exist, like, you know, in every large city, I'm sure there's businesses like it. But the quantity of businesses here and the fact that it's like a revolving door makes it so fun because like you go to you might go to a neighborhood you know once every few months you know because you can't go to every neighborhood every month but you go back and it's like a brand new neighborhood businesses cleaned out there was a bar there there's now a new bar there so it was very fun to kind of be living in that always changing environment and the third thing is that I'm gay and I wanted to be in a place where there are tons of gay people. Like I wanted to like feel that kind of community and feel comfortable in a place in a sense that nobody cares that you're gay here. So that's, I think those are like the primary three reasons that I've stayed in the city. What about you in San Francisco? That's easy. It was just my job. You're like, no. I don't want to live here. Um, no, but there are was... like no redeeming factors at all? 
Well, okay. First, I moved here for my job, but also because I had lived outside of California for so many years that I had been like desperately wanting to come back to our home state. Um, I had made the ill-informed assumption that San Francisco would be much more similar to Southern California in terms of climate and people and general attitudes, which it's not at all the same. So that's part of why I don't like it very much. Um, but it was, it was the job and being back in the state. Uh, so I could be closer to my family. So, um, that's what brought me here. Redeeming factors. I mean, I met Ramon here. There's <laughs> at least that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel like everything happens for a reason in life. So even if it's not my favorite city, like I've met, I met him. I've met a lot of good friends here, and I, you know that wouldn't have happened if I didn't come here. And like career-wise, it's it's been a good move to to be here. Um, but that's about it. <laughs> it's not because I think because in comparison to somewhere like New York, right? Like I also I lived there for seven years, and like you said, it's it's like incomparable to any other city in terms of like diversity of people, diversity of cuisine, like access to anything all hours of the day. So, you know, trying to compare that with this city, it's like, oh, I mean, it has like above average food, but it's nothing to write home about. It's like, oh, there's diversity, but it's really like three or four races. It's not like every person on the planet like New York is. So it's just, you know, it would never be able to compete with New York on those factors. So it just doesn't have that. And I, I think we've talked about this before, but like the homeless population here and the behavior of that population is so different from the homeless population in New York. So that is something that, that's the number one thing that most people complain about when they come to San Francisco because we pay a shit ton of taxes in this state and in this city. Mm -hmm. And you just don't see any of that money being put to solving this like terrible situation out here. I mean, it's like you, you, um, feel, you feel for the people because it's very sad. Like mo the majority of them have mental illness. So mm -hmm. it's kind of different yeah. from New York because I, I kind of felt like the, percentage of people in New York that are homeless that have mental illness was a smaller percentage than than other reasons like I felt mm. like there were a lot of vets that came back from war and had you know fallen on bad times or there's those like annoying young people that are just like Rastafarian and choose to be homeless there, there's like all sorts of homeless people mm -hmm, in New York mm -hmm. right but not all of them had mental illness versus in San Francisco it's it's the majority here so like you can find yourself in pretty dangerous situations out here just crossing paths with people because their heads aren't right and that's not their fault but it's just the way it is so um I don't know how I got on this rant, actually. I forgot. Oh, oh, just reasons why it, yeah, it wouldn't ever be the compare. same with yeah. New York. Yeah, I felt safe, you know, relatively safe around mm -hmm. homeless people in New York. And I don't feel safe in this city because of that. And mm -hmm. COVID has made it much worse because they have full reign of the city now. Like, you know, oh. businesses have closed. People have left their apartments. They're just, they get to like claim more of the city now. Mm. So... Well, let's talk about, you know, we discussed kind of your draw was work. My draw was a couple of things 
related to just like quality of life things were there things that you were kind of like man it really sucks here uh pre-covid about the city it could be new york it could be sf whatever well all the things i already talked about um true yes <laughs> no i mean the city is just it's just a weird town here because mm. it's like um it's exactly what you said like when i came here to visit and then when i came here to move at first i had the exact same thought where i was like it's just new york but like on the other coast um and so i was expecting things like mm -hmm. quality of food uh nightlife not that i care about nightlife anymore it's more just like you know just to say that you, you have it. these things yeah yeah you, you just want it on hand as an option exactly. yeah exactly and you get here and you realize like everything costs the same as New York, like um, quality of life wise, right? Mm. Like rent, actually, it's, sometimes it's more expensive mm -hmm. than New York. Groceries, food, cocktails, things like that, right? Like it's all the exact same as New yeah. York, but bars close at like two, but everyone goes home at like 11 or midnight because everyone's kind of a grandma out here oh. because everyone's very like, um, they like to hike so everything's like go to sleep early and wake up early kind of vibe mm. out okay. here so like here when i first moved here i used this as a gauge it's like in new york when you go to brunch the average time is like 1 or 2 p.m is like max yes. you know peak brunch, brunch time yes which makes sense because yeah. you're hungover from the night before so yes. why would you wake up earlier than that for brunch why would you wake here up people go to brunch as early as 10 a.m. That's breakfast. That's not brunch. That's just breakfast. Uh, yeah. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> There's no, it's not even crossing over into lunch. Why would you call it brunch? Yeah, that's- The yeah. time is breakfast. That's what I'm saying. And, and what's worse than that, and I do this now myself, people wake up butt crack early to go to the like most poppin', you know, brunch spots or whatever right when they open so we have one in um san francisco that we live really close to now it's called uh plow and it opens at 8 a.m on the weekends and people are lined up before 8 a.m to go Absolutely eat at not. this breakfast place and i love it because remote is like let's get brunch and i'm gonna go at 8 a.m and i'm like uh, I'm hungry again. Look, <laughs> you know, two look. If you're not gonna drink, it's not brunch. It's well, not some brunch. people drink, which is like At comical to me. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's I like dedication to the brunch culture, but just at the wrong time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and one more thing, since I'm just apparently on a rant about San Francisco, <laughs> but. One of the things that originally bothered me about here, which I'm just used to at this point, is mm -hmm. there's no diversity of um, industry. Because mm -hmm. I feel like in New York, even though finance is a big industry, it's not like every single person you meet works in finance. Like that's not going to be yeah. the case. Or not everyone is an actor, even though finance and entertainment are big industries in new york you can find mm -hmm. someone doing anything in new york right yeah. um here it's just tech i mean there are obviously there are people doing other things but it's like eight out of ten you you could easily guess they work in some sort of tech mm. or startup and it just gets so it's boring yeah. After a while. <laughs> yeah yeah it's the same person i definitely know what you're saying for sure how about you 
any drawbacks, even though you seem to have loved it enough to stay your whole adult life at this point. Yeah, honestly, I know people think I'm a little bit crazy. I think I'm a little bit crazy. (laughs) Yeah, well, I am a little bit crazy, but um, things that weren't so great even before COVID, obviously it's way too expensive here. And Mm -hmm. there's like absolutely no reason it needs to be so expensive. Um, So that's the first thing. Uh, And I'm exclusively right now talking about housing, like food, drink, groceries. Like I kind of get it because like it does cost money to bring all these things here into the city. But for sure, the cost of living in terms of rent is like way too high. I could talk forever and ever and ever and ever and ever about how I am in love with, but simultaneously absolutely hate the public transit system here. Like it <sighs> it is like such a it's such a hot and cold topic because when it works, it's amazing. And when it doesn't work, you just want to throw yourself off a bridge. Like and I will say the third thing is that it's so disappointing in a, in a way because I feel like New York is constantly on the cusp of being really great like a really great city. And to be honest, we don't have really great cities in the US because either they're not accessible or there's no light nightlife or it's all the same people like you're saying, there's no diversity. Like New York has all these things and it's like right there just about to be like a really awesome city. And it just never gets there because of like political reasons, incompetence, like all these other things that are just impeding the city becoming its like final amazing form of what it could be and honestly that's what is the saddest part about living here is because every day you look you walk outside you experience your life and you're like it's great but it could be better in in so many ways in so many easy ways and it's not so that's i would say that's probably like the biggest letdown and also the dating here wasn't as good as i thought it was going to be what about the city in general like where do you think it's going to be because i I'm speculating that New York and San Francisco are not going to bounce back from COVID. Like, it's Mm -hmm. certainly not going to become a desert wasteland, but, like, I don't think they're either of them are going to be as poppin' as or as coveted as they used to be Mm -hmm. because it's just not the same anymore with, like, certain businesses leaving and, like, job opportunities leaving and profile of people changing it just i don't think it's gonna be the same i don't think so either and the stats that i gave at the top of the episode i mean it shows that people with money are essentially leaving right so from that perspective like i think the city will be facing a a really huge challenge in terms of tax money to pay for services and things to keep people coming to the city um i think that will be a really big problem for the city the long run i don't know if it's going to i don't know if the city is going to implode the way that people are thinking about it because like a lot of people are saying like oh it's gonna like explode into the way that it was in like the 80s or the 70s where things were like really bad and like what with like prostitutes in times square and stuff. yeah and like the bronx like half the bronx was on fire stuff like that like people are saying stuff like that and i'm like i don't think i don't think that's the case like that's like a really doom ominous scenario um but i do think that there will be some tough times ahead yeah yeah i don't think san francisco is ever going to be the same because we are dominated by one industry and that specific industry has decided that working from this location no 
no longer matters. Like, not to say these companies aren't going to have San Francisco offices anymore. I think most of them are still keeping an office. But if you're going to give people the option to work not in one of the most expensive cities in the world that has little else to offer besides your occupation, people aren't going to choose to live here. So, and, and businesses have left. So like Tesla left, you know, like some of these like big, like you said, taxes is, is where it's at, right? Like the big tax revenue generating companies are leaving and it's not just San Francisco, it's California. So like, it, it's been pretty interesting because I don't know if you've been following, but um, like basically California and San Francisco specifically hate tech people for some reason. Like they're just trying to like blame everything on tech people and like don't realize that all the money that they need comes largely from this industry that they're like shitting on. And meanwhile, the mayor of Miami is like, hey, tech companies want to move here. Let me like help you move here. And straight up a ton of tech is moving to Miami because Florida is much more liberal with like tax related situations and because the the government is welcoming them versus like antagonizing them. So I just, yeah, San Francisco, California, I don't think are ever going to be the same again. Alrighty. Well, Angela, do you want to tell our listeners what we have for our fortune cookie clothes? Um, we want to daydream for a hot second and maybe it's not just a daydream. Maybe it could be our future, but, um, so if you could work anywhere in the world and your job did not care, it did not impact your salary, your taxing, like any of that stuff, where would you choose to live? In the ideal situation, I wouldn't pick any one place. I would rotate around like every month or so. Yes. Do you have top, top cities though that you would like start with? Yeah, I mean, okay, well, I would, now this dovetails with my in a COVID situation world, but I think I would definitely go to Taipei for a while. I haven't seen my family there in Taiwan for a long while. I I know for sure that there are things that I want to do there that are like on my list that look really fun. And it's so cheap. (laughs) It's so So cheap cheap to be there. Like I could roll in there like a heavy hitter, like a hundred percent. So, you could live for months there with your no, like one month yeah. expenses. I was going to say no right. income. I could live for months there. Not a problem. Yeah, truly, right truly. Yeah. Yes. Well, because I have family there. But um, wow. yeah, I think after after Taipei, I think it will be fun to visit like capital cities. So like mm-hmm. get a taste of like Japan and Tokyo, Seoul and South Korea and kind of just work my way all around that area. I mean, there's so much to see. So if th- what if we did a podcast rotation where we're just bringing you from Tokyo tonight and like we just rotate from Asian capital uh, city that would to be capital amazing. city for our recordings. That would be so amazing. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, honestly, if the job is the largest constraint on where I can be. What about you? For me, it's interesting because Ramona and I actually have mm-hmm. been talking about this for a long time because we are trying to figure out where we want to like permanently, you know, settle. We we similarly would want to live in multiple places, but I don't think we'd jump as often as you. <laughs> so I think, um, especially because we're thinking about like the future, right? Like with kids and stuff that are sometime coming in the future it would be really nice to be able to spend you know like half the year in spain with his parents and half the year in taiwan with my parents and then the grandparents get like 
you know, dedicated mm. time with the grandkids and can help raise them and teach them the language and, you know, so those are considerations for sure. And then, yeah, Ramon loves Japan. So I'm sure we'd be in Japan at some point. And like, I loved Australia. So I that, Australia. yeah, I would probably live in Australia and like bounce to New Zealand because Australia is like, the, all I could think, well, first, I, I preferred Melbourne, 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 <laughs> Melbourne um, over Sydney, but uh, Melbourne was essentially California. Well, okay, sorry, Australia as a whole is basically California as a country with cute accents. That's how I mm, felt the whole okay. time. But like SoCal, California vibes. Chill. Yeah. Yeah. Super chill. Everyone's gorgeous. The sun's always out. The beach is beautiful beautiful food it's just like and like it seems expensive to you so like i remember going out and being like 16 dollars for an acai bowl but then i realized it was australian dollars i was like oh that's like 12 dollars. that's fine <laughs> i can pay that uh, but yeah so we, we would also hop different places and hopefully that's a very real potential future okay well if you have thoughts about this episode, which I'm sure you do, because many of you guys live in some of the biggest cities in this nation, or you once lived in a city, if you have thoughts about the decline of the city, write us in your opinion, or why you're staying, or if you could work anywhere ever in the world, where would you live? Let us know. And reminder that we are still looking for listener story submissions. So write us in about your experience with either this topic or whatever you want at tell us where you're from at gmail.com the your is y-o-u-r-e and i'm going to make a few more plugs because why not one plug is that there are so many more of you that listen to this podcast than have uh shown up on our kind of ratings and reviews section on apple Podcasts. if you could do us a huge solid and click that five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That would help us immensely because as you know, we're trying to do a lot of shit with this podcast. We're trying to book bigger guests for you so it's more interesting content. We're trying to expand the listener base of the podcast. We're trying to do a lot of cool things and it's a better look for us if more of you rep us on that part of our podcast page. So please go ahead and hit five star, leave us a positive review and that'll go a long way for us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And yeah, I guess that's it. Come back next week because we, we actually have a one of our first guests for the season next week and it's gonna be someone really cool. Until next time, Zai Jin. Bitches. Bitches.